Welcome to another edition of Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. Every Wednesday morning, we check in with David Greising, President and CEO of the BGA, as we're keeping tabs on government, what it's doing, and shining the light on those government activities. David Greising, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Well, we want to start with an article that's uh, posted at the BGA's policy website, bettergov.org, talking about uh, legislative oversight in Illinois compared to other states. So, David, walk us through this a bit. Well, uh, we're talking about uh, jobs like the legislative inspector general, for example, a job that in Illinois has very little independent power. And we looked at a number of other states and uh, the powers that, that these inspectors general and people in similar positions have to launch their own investigations, to publish the findings of their investigations, uh, independent of, uh, of uh, direct legislative oversight by the people that they're there to uh, be a watchdog for, is much stronger in these other states. The other problem is in Illinois also is there's this Legislative Ethics Commission, which is made up almost exclusively of existing state lawmakers, uh, and that commission is supposed to oversee uh, oversight of ethics in the legislature, creating a clear conflict of interest. And uh, we uh, studied this because uh, uh, in Governor Pritzker's first term after the Mike Madigan scandal, when the legislature passed uh, a kind of weak, frankly, ethics reform. Uh, this is an area that was brought to the the body's attention that on which they really did nothing to strengthen that, the work of the legislative inspector general. Uh, and we've looked at it again and uh, this is it's it's high time, especially on the advent of uh, the trial of the so-called Madigan Four. Uh, it's high time that this be reviewed and uh, and these powers be strengthened. You know, it, it's baffling, David, because I think most of us, if we had bad actors in our midst, we'd want to get them weeded out. Since most of us, you know, are not engaged in unlawful or unethical activity, and, and it might be a bit naive, but I, I would surmise that most lawmakers are also not engaged in this sort of blatant activity of the egregious sort that we've seen, so you'd think they would want to get the bad actors from their midst, and it's really, it's puzzling as to why they don't step up to do more to, to help ensure that and to help hold people accountable. No, it's no doubt. You, exactly what you just said. The, the the preponderance of people who are elected to public office are honest people trying to do the people's work. And uh, it is a little bit surprising. Of course, the trouble is that uh, you give these independent people uh, agents power uh and you it's kind of like setting up a special prosecutor once you've appointed one once a, a president for example has appointed one they lose control over what that uh prosecutor might do and i think it's similar mindset not that they uh have any uh uh bad motives, but that the idea of losing control, the fear of sort of a, a rogue operator uh, seems to be outweigh uh, their instincts for trying to clean up government in a state that badly needs uh, a little bit of fumigation. Yeah, and even if most lawmakers are not themselves individually engaged in such conduct, they're not sure what their colleagues on their side of the aisle are doing. The whole thing could turn into a big political embarrassment, a political football, and as you noted, uh, they're reluctant 
to give up the kind of control that could let something like that really explode and become a, a, a major issue in upcoming elections. So uh, it will be a, a long, hard slog to try to achieve some of these ethics reforms in the state. The BGA continues to work on it. It means a, a, remains a major policy objective of the Better Government Association. And David, as you noted, uh, one of the, uh, the most blatant cases of this uh, in recent years is headed to trial, and we have seen a flurry of legal activity and motions in the cases involving the so-called ComEd 4. Yes, absolutely. These are the four people related to the already admitted uh, uh, illegal conduct by the state's largest uh, electric utility, Commonwealth Edison. Uh, this is Jay Doherty, the former head of the City Club of Chicago, and Promisiori, uh, who ran Commonwealth Edison in Illinois. Uh, of course, Michael McLean, the uh, crony of, uh, of uh, uh, Mike Madigan and John Hooker, a retired lobbyist. And, and they're accused of basically inf- doing everything they can to influence Mike Madigan. And even though Commonwealth Edison has paid a $200 million fine and admitted to wrongdoing, in this matter, all of the all four of these are saying they're innocent, and um, in fact, they want to exclude evidence of the ComEd settlement uh, from the trial, along with some other moves they've made in the last week or so. Uh, in as we run up to the March sixth uh, start of this trial. Well, you know, one motion that uh, jumped out at me, I saw uh, reporters uh, tweeting about this. I believe it was uh, in the the Jay Doherty case, wanting to exclude some of uh, the the documentation about this and about things he had done uh, for Mike Madigan, essentially saying, you know, this is is not anything unusual. Uh, People who are in influential positions or in lobbying positions uh, frequently wanted to just keep Mike Madigan happy because a happy Madigan meant it was more likely your legislation was going to go someplace. And it just raises the question again of how much of this is just the the standard uh, back scratching and, uh, you know, just, uh, again, keeping a powerful politician happy, kissing up to them. And where does the line exist that uh, crosses it over into criminality? Well, uh, Rod Blagojevich tried that politics as usual defense And it didn't do him any good. He spent a number of years in jail before uh, President uh, Trump pardoned him. Uh, So Jay Doherty is free, of course, to use that defense. But uh, the the judge uh, so far has been dismissive of some of these arguments. Uh, Previously, a year or so ago, the group tried to get the whole case dismissed. And we'll see, of course, when it goes to trial, whether arguments like that carry any water. No question about it. We'll be watching it very carefully when it all begins to unfold in a courtroom. In the meantime, we've got more full disclosure on the way with David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. Stick around. More coming up. Sunshine. 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 Disclosure continues now on 92.7 WMAY with David Grising, president and CEO of the BGA. David, an interesting story uh, this week that the Illinois Answers Project has uh, put out related to transit ambassadors. What are transit ambassadors and what would this mean for people in our area perhaps coming to visit Chicago, maybe making use of mass transit up there? 
Well, it's not happening yet in Chicago, but cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Cleveland, Philadelphia, and others uh, who are facing similar sort of problems with crime on their public transit systems have tried an alternative to just putting more police on the lines. And they instead are putting transit ambassadors, people who have some training in de-escalation and also intervening in narcotics incidents in particular, and uh, are just a visible presence that are designed to reduce violence. We took a look at several of these systems, and at the uh, Bay Area Rapid Transit System in uh, San Francisco area, for example, uh, since 2019 when this program was implemented, they've seen a 30% reduction in violent crime and a 60% reduction in property crime crime on their system. Uh, and they're doing this at a fairly low cost, only a couple million dollars a year in the in the BART system. Uh, some of the other cities across the country are spending a lot more than that on this. Uh, the CTA so far refuses to do this. They think that the private security and the uniformed police that they have on their lines uh, is getting the job done. And of course, they point to the fact that they have people in ticket booths still and say that that helps, even though those people are basically locked in a glass cage and don't get out and mix with the customers at all. And uh, are these uh, individuals, the transit ambassadors, you, you mentioned they're, they're not sworn police officers. Are, are they armed in any way? Or are they just simply using those, as you noted, de-escalation tactics to try to, uh, to calm down a situation before it gets out of hand they're they're not armed uh security uh their their role is to be present and be aware of uh people who are suspicious and and in that case they will call for backup uh they're not trained to intervene directly in a violent episode but nevertheless many many criminology and policing studies show that just the presence of of an authority figure in a situation like a, a transit platform uh, is enough to kind of reduce the impetus for for violence and especially for property crimes. Very interesting. Another example of the kind of journalism that not only uh, reports on facts, but also looks for potential solutions to some of these issues uh, that we're dealing with. Before we go, we want to take just a moment uh, to talk about someone, not necessarily a household name uh, in Illinois, but someone very important in the ongoing quest for fiscal responsibility and fiscal sanity in Illinois, and he passed away unexpectedly over the past weekend. Yes, Lawrence Massal was probably the state's leading expert on pension uh, issues as well as state and city budgets. He was an outspoken advocate for pension reform, and he had the gift of being able to communicate on people with people on all sides of issues, keep open communication, and be very fact-based in his analysis of the problems that our state is dealing with. Uh, he was really a towering figure, even though he was fairly young, 61 years old, uh, when he died, unfortunately, due to complications from a heart procedure. And uh, it's a big loss, Jim. There's nobody else in the state who who is lined up really to replace him, both with his uh, financial acumen. He's a former state government official, worked for the Civic uh, Alliance, the Civic Committee in Chicago, uh, but also for the personality he had. Uh, just a very somebody easy to talk to, easy to get along with, and really was an effective advocate for more effective fiscal planning in, in the city of Chicago and across the state. Very sad loss. David, we're out of time. Real quickly, how do people...